Hello, and thank you for tuning in to the Encouragement Expert Podcast. We're glad you're joining us today. Let's join Pastor Wes Doffenbaugh with today's encouraging word titled, Cast All Your Cares on Jesus. Praise the Lord. It's a true delight to be with you today. I'm, uh, I'm just so happy to be with each of you. God bless you. Let's say a little prayer. Uh, Father, uh, come and be with each of us now and make this uh, a beautiful time of your presence. And from that, of course, bring fruit out that will bring glory to your name all over the world. Let's say his name together in Jesus' name. I haven't touched my guitar for so long, but, uh, you know, there's, uh, I preached, I'm preaching a sermon called Cast All Your Cares on Jesus. And years ago, I wrote, you know, just one verse of a song. And uh, the Lord has just really... Uh, uh, added some verses to it this morning, and I just was singing it and worshiping God. Then when I preached at a church this morning, because it's Sunday here, it's a March 14th, uh, I led this chorus, and I just fed the people the words, and it was so easy for them to sing, and they all just sang it and really meant it. And uh, it's based off the verse in First Peter 5, 7, where he says, Cast all your cares on the Lord, for he cares for you. So I thought I'd just try to sing it with my guitar a little bit, and um, it goes like this. Cast all your cares on Jesus, cast all your cares on Him, for He cares for you with His heart of love. Cast all your cares on Him. Cast all your cares on Jesus. Cast all your cares on Him. For He uses your cares to make miracles. Cast all your cares on Him. Now I'm going to turn a page here and sing a couple extra verses. (laughs) Wonderful is your name, Lord. Your love amazes me. So with all of my heart I say thank you, Lord. Thank you for loving me. I cast my cares on my cares on him for he uses my cares to make miracles I cast my cares on him now you can sing it with me sing glorious is your name Lord glorious is your Father who hears and cares. Father who hears and cares 
for you prove why you're called, for you prove why you're called, all-sufficient one, all-sufficient one. Glorious is your name. Now, El Shaddai is the Hebrew for the all-sufficient one. Glorious is your name, Lord, Father who hears and cares. For you prove why you're called all-sufficient one. Glorious is your name. Now we can just go on all day long I cast my cares on Jesus. I cast my cares on Him. Well, one other verse. You made a man from dust, Lord. Water you turned to wine. You'll make wonderful things from these cares I bring. I cast my cares on you. Well, that felt good. And uh, I'm going to keep worshiping God with my guitar again and uh, see what kind of new songs uh, God will give to me. Well, the message is called Cast All Your Cares on Jesus. And my first point, we get right into it. Peter wrote this, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. That's 1 Peter 5, 6 through 8 in the ESV. Now, the Passion Translation says, Pour out all your worries and stress on him and leave them there, for we always tenderly cares for you. That's beautiful, isn't it? The old King James says, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Now the psalmist wrote in Psalms 55, 22, cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. The ESV version of that, that was the NIV. The ESV says, cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. So God welcomes and invites us to cast all our anxieties, cares, worries, and stress and burdens on him. And of course, uh, I, I wrote that song to express that. And uh, it certainly is a worshipful thing to sing to the Lord. Wonderful is your name, Lord. Your love amazes me. So with all of my heart, I say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, for loving me. You know, Jesus even invites us to bring our heavy responsibilities to him. Now, we cast our cares on the Lord, but we can't cast our responsibilities on him. But here's something we can do. Uh, he invited us in Matthew eleven twenty nine. take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for my, I am gentle and lowly of heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. Now, that means the yoke of an ox and we wouldn't understand that in our modern culture, but back in the day when they farmed with oxen, they would train the baby ox 
by tying it under the yoke of a big ox. And then the big ox would pull all the way to the plow and the little ox just trot along besides. The only thing the little ox had to learn to do was to go when the master said go because if he stood there, then the yoke would hit him in the back of the head and knock him to his knees. So he had to learn to go. But while the big ox is sweating, the little ox is thinking, this is easy. Now, Jesus is saying, "Take in the Greek, you see, it actually says, come under my yoke. And it's not translated that way in, uh, in, in any of the Bibles that I know of. Uh, but Dr. Cho said uh, that's what it means, and I believe him. Come under my yoke, see, just like the little ox. And Jesus will pull even the weight of your responsibilities. You just have to go when he says go and stop when he says stop. And he'll be pulling the weight. And then you can bear vast responsibilities. See, Dr. Cho is just cracking up under the weight of this huge church that he pastored and uh, a great international ministry that God gave him. And it was so heavy that he was about ready to lose his mind and his health. And the Lord showed him that and showed him how to just let the Lord pull the weight. And all he had to do was obey. So... Whether it's a care, a burden, an anxiety, or even a responsibility, we bring those things to the Lord, and the Lord doesn't want to waste any of them. He, uh, he wants to make good things out of them. Now, Paul wrote this in Philippians chapter 4, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, that's a key, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So that's a very similar verse when it says, don't be anxious about everything. That's cast all your cares on Jesus. Cast your burden on the Lord and he'll sustain you. Uh, But it says, do it with thanksgiving. All right, now that's a key. We'll get to that a little bit later. The second point here is God wants us to be very thorough because all means all. I want to ask you, do you cast all your cares on the Lord? Do I? You know, Peter said, casting all your cares upon him. Paul said, don't be anxious about anything. Now, if we're fully at peace in our souls and at peace and we're at rest in our souls, that's a sign that we've cast all our cares on the Lord. But when we feel stressed, worried, fearful, and sorry for ourselves, That's proof that we're still carrying things needlessly and perhaps to our own harm. So we suffer a lot of needless anxieties when we forget just how much God cares for us and how much he wants to help us. At the the very least, when we fail to cast our burdens and cares on the Lord, we lose quality of life. Now, Jesus said, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly, John 10.10. Well, we don't need abundant houses and abundant lands. Uh, you'd have to put, uh, you'd have to take care of them all. I mean, they'd all become a burden if you had just oodles of stocks, oodles of bonds. You know, that's not how abundant life is measured. We need abundant peace. We need abundant rest in our souls. Now, there's something very dangerous about failing to cast cares on the Lord because right after Peter's Peter told us to cast our cares on the Lord. He warned us that the devil goes around like a roaring lion seeking someone that he may devour. Verse 8. Now, what do lions do? They prey upon the stragglers, 
the weak ones, uh, the grass-eating animals that are lagging behind the herd, whether it's a, a zebra or a wildebeest or whatever. If it's not with the herd and it's weak and lagging behind, it's prey for the lions. And, and the devil is looking for people who carry their own cares, you see, because that makes them more vulnerable. Now, God wants to mix grace with all your cares so that they turn into something. That's how he makes a miracle. He takes a problem, mix grace with it, and then, boom, it becomes a miracle. And uh, no miracle ever happens if a problem isn't there first. God makes miracles out of problems. Well, he makes them out of cares when we bring our cares to the Lord. He mixes grace with them, and then he turns them into beautiful things. might be a, a character quality in you. It could be an answer to prayer. It could be a blessing. It could be an actual miracle. All right? But, uh, uh, you see, if, if we hold on to those cares, then God doesn't get to convert them into those things that would bring him more glory. All right? So that's why you want to be real thorough and, uh, and be sure that you bring all those cares to the Lord. So, uh, friend, what are you still carrying? Is there guilt? Is there self-condemnation? Is there shame? Fear of the future? Fear of failure? Self-pity? Anger? Hatred? Revenge? Now, all of those are particularly heavy things. And uh, how do you get rid of something like that? Well, if it's something real negative or a sin, the Bible says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, 1 John 1, 9. Forgiveness is one thing. Cleansing is something else. To forgive and then you're, you're not punished for it, but to be cleansed means you won't keep falling into the same old pattern again. You'll Does that make sense? You'd be cleansed so you wouldn't go back to the same failure or the same sin. All right, now, I, I suggest that you make a big, long, thorough list of your cares that you're carrying around and worrying about and stressing about, and they might be physical things. Well, write them down, get ready to cast them on the Lord. They might be uh, old emotional hurts and bruises and wounds and, and uh, m mental ways that you think about yourself that are a torment. Write it all down. Maybe you think you're not uh, spiritual enough or you just have problems understanding the Bible. Write it down. It's a care. Maybe it's a financial worry or a stress. Well, write it down. Get ready to bring it to the Lord. Well, we have a lot of concern for family members, almost every one of us. Write that down. We'll bring them all to the Lord. And then anything that makes you feel sorry for yourself, those are really dangerous things. Write those down. Then we could uh, be concerned about big national and international problems and trends. Uh, it's a care, isn't it, when we see our government overspending so radically. We wonder what will ever happen to the dollar. Uh, well, if you're concerned about it at all, write it down <laughs> and get ready to cast it on the Lord. Now, cast all your cares means all your cares, whether they're little, whether they're big, etc. But just remember to mix thanksgiving in there. So you can thank God for listening to your cares. Thank God for caring about them. Uh, you can thank him for healing, for providing, for helping. 
you can thank him for what's laid up for you in heaven. Thank him for the future promises of a resurrected body like Jesus in a new heaven and a new earth. All right, so cast all your cares on him. Be thorough. If it's some kind of a sin, then ask him to forgive you and cleanse you. Uh, but expect that God is going to make something wonderful. Now, he cares even about little bitty things. And so you remember that Jesus said, even the hairs of your head are all numbered, right? You're so important to God that he numbers the hairs of your head. So what on your list could be smaller than the loss of one single hair? I'm, I'm using that as an illustration to show you that uh, nothing is too small. Now, another thing I want to say is that the devil wants to uh, tell you uh, that uh, you're being a pest if you bring your cares to the Lord. He's going to try to coach you and say, now, don't be a whiner. You know, you're acting like a little child. You're complaining about everything. That's not spiritual. Uh, don't be a bother to God. Uh, you, you know, he's got bigger things to uh, be concerned about. But see, tell the devil, shut up. See, he, the devil doesn't want you to cast all your cares on the Lord. He doesn't want them to be turned into blessings and miracles and character growth and all that kind of thing. All right? Uh, so don't let the devil coach you in any of this. God is going to be pleased when you bring all your cares to the Lord. He's inviting you to do it for a reason, for lots of reasons, actually. Now, my fourth point is uh, watch out for that sticky stuff. Now, suppose you were carrying a, a big heavy rock and someone drove up beside you and said, eh, put that in the back of my pickup truck. I'll, uh, I'll take that on down the road for you. All right, that would be pretty easy to put a rock in the back of a pickup truck. But suppose you were carrying a big round ball of tar and somebody had a tarp in the back of their pickup and said, I'll take that from you and... And, and you put it in their truck, but then you'd still have tar all over your hands. So a lot of times when we try to cast our cares on the Lord, they stick to us. They don't come completely off. Now, what is it that makes our burdens and cares sticky so that when we try to cast them on the Lord, they don't come off completely? Well, you've probably worked in a kitchen and gotten some kind of grease on your hands right? And you can wipe your hands on a towel, but they still feel greasy. So then you might take some dishwashing liquid. Um, we, we buy this stuff called Dawn Ultra, and it says it's got three times more grease cleaning power than plain dish soap. Well, it really does. It takes the greasy, you wipe with that, and you'd get all the grease off your hands. All right, now there's something about self-pity that's spiritually greasy, and it makes our cares sticky like tar, they, like grease or tar. They stick to us. The more we feel sorry for ourselves, then the more we need the Holy Spirit to wash us with some kind of wisdom or understanding or concern for others or a heavenly perspective until the self-pity itself is washed off. Because if you can have the Holy Spirit help you get rid of the self-pity then when you cast your cares on the Lord, they're going to come off and you're going to let go of it. But if you hang on to self-pity, then you can try to cast your cares on the Lord with prayers and supplication, but it won't be very effective. You remember Paul said, you know, uh, don't be anxious about everything, but in everything with prayer and petition, let your requests be made known with thanksgiving. 
See, now thanksgiving is, is that degreaser, that spiritual degreaser that's going to get rid of the self-pity and then your cares are going to come off, you know, properly. And the Lord will have them and you'll have the peace. Now, there's Bible verses, and I didn't take the time to write them down, but they tell us what to do with our old self. They tell us to crucify the old self, deny it, put it off, uh, lose it. See, we're given a new self made to be like Christ, and the Bible tells us to put that new self on, but to lose, crucify, deny, and put off the old self. But self-pity puts that old self on life support, and it feeds it and nurtures it. So uh, a lot of people don't realize how dangerous self-pity is. It's a locomotive sin. It, like a locomotive has the power to pull the boxcars down the track, and the boxcars couldn't get down the track without the locomotive. Similarly, there are certain sins that are, are locomotive sins, and they pull all the other boxcars. So like self-pity has the power to pull in suicide or adultery or murder. Or, you know, you name it, self-pity can pull it in. So when we want to cast our cares on the Lord— we might need a degreaser job <laughs> uh, to be washed, to be sanctified from self-pity so that it won't stick to us. Now, I think that when we're only concerned for our own selves and our own needs, that that is a form of selfishness that makes our care stick to us. So let me give you what I think is a humble opinion. And what I think is that most Christians do not bother to cast their cares on the Lord because they tried it and it didn't work for them. You say, why didn't it work? Well, probably because they were sticky. They were self-focused or they were into self-pity and they didn't cast their cares on the Lord with any type of thanksgiving, really believing that he would help. And so for many people, it just seems impossible to cast their cares on the Lord. Well, it's not impossible. Just ask the Lord to, uh, you know, to put that uh, heavenly uh, Dawn Ultra degreaser soap on your soul, on your spirit, all right? And, and cleanse us, Lord, from, from self-pity and self-focus. Once I said, Lord, I feel terrible about myself. On a scale of nine, you know, 10 to zero, I feel like that arrow is clear down on zero. I feel like I'm just the worst person, that, but I don't think you want the scale up on 10. And I moved my finger up like I was moving it up, pointing it towards myself, but up on the other end of the scale. I said, but you don't want me to be prideful and conceited up here. Uh, where, do, where on the scale do you want the arrow to be? And God spoke to me right then and said, turn that arrow around and focus on me. So uh, if we're prideful, we're up on 10, but it's self-focus. If we're in the middle, we're in mediocrity. We think we'll never do anything great. And if it's down on the low end, then we think I'm just an old scuzzball. The world would be better off if I was dead. Now, the devil will just play with you. As long as you've got that self-focus, it doesn't matter where on the scale it is, you're going to be self-focused and your cares are going to stick to you. But if you turn it around and focus on Jesus, and then when you pray, if you pray for others and not just pray for yourself and your own needs, well, that, that's heaven's degreaser. Oh, I hope that makes good sense to you. All right, now Paul wrote this. He said, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Ephesians 6.18. So anytime you pray for someone else, 
it's it's good for you actually. It's going to help you get answers to prayer because it, it's going to wash away that selfishness that makes your cares stick to you. Now you might be thinking, oh man, if I pray for others, I'm even I'm going to be even more burdened. I got enough burdens of my own. I don't need to be burdened about somebody else's. But but that's not so. You see, if you pray for others, it's going to make you far more effective when you talk to the Lord about your own. And many times you don't even need to talk to the Lord about your own. You just pray for others and, and, and everything's added to you. It's a prayer bonus. Remember, uh, Solomon said, Lord, since you've made me king, would you give me a wise and discerning heart so I can administer justice to others? And God really liked that prayer because it wasn't selfish. So then he gave him a prayer bonus. He said, I'm going to make your heart wise and understanding, but I'm also going to give you a long life and I'm going to make you the richest king on earth during your lifetime. So he got a bunch of other stuff in a prayer bonus. And that's what I'm saying to you. If, we, if we'd be unselfish, our prayers will be answered easier, our cares will come off, and we're going to get bonuses we didn't even ask for. Now, I want to draw your attention to the most wonderful prayer in the Bible, and that's arguable. Perhaps there are other prayers equal to it, but I'm calling this the most wonderful prayer in the Bible, and it's Colossians chapter 1, verse 9 through 12. And Paul wrote this, And so from the day we heard, we've not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints of light." Now, let's go back over that. You see, you can read it and just kind of be dull to it and not get it. But if you are filled with the knowledge of God's will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding, then every day, all day long, you'd walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. And that's important to me, you see, because in my morning prayer times, and I've developed a habit to take at least three hours every morning with the Lord. I try to go to bed early, and then I get up at 4 or 5 or 5.30, and, and I'll spend that time reading the Bible and praying. And so I wait on the Lord, but then I'm, I have to eat breakfast, shower, shave, and, and then comes the walking time. See, that's wait on the Lord. They that wait on the Lord renew their strength. Well, that morning devotion is when you wait on the Lord, but then you got to walk. you got to walk it out. And that's where we do all of our work all the rest of the day. And what a blessing it would be to walk worthy of the Lord so that the Lord would not just be pleased with your prayer times, but he'd be prayer, pleased with all your walking time, the way you're living it out. You'd walk worthy of the Lord. That's a really big deal. Now, if you're filled with the knowledge of God's will moment by moment, that means no matter what happens, you'd respond like Jesus responded. So if you got cursed, you'd probably bless them back and not get in a fight, etc. And we do the most important things first. You know, important things might not be urgent things. Urgent things might be way less important. And, is, and divine order is a wonderful thing. Uh, so we'd, we'd always do first things first if we were filled with the knowledge of God's will. And then, of course, when you know God's will, you're filled with faith. 
you're able to believe for what God's will is and not doubt in your heart. You know God will answer it because it's his will. So, anyway, I like my waiting time on the Lord to please him. And But then, uh, you know, I, I always say, okay, Lord, it's, it's time to walk. <laughs> Let's walk together. I want the rest of the day to count for you. Now, then Paul said that you may please him in every way. In other words, if you're filled with the knowledge of God, you could please him in every way. And remember, the Lord said that at the end of time, to some people, he'd say, well done, good and faithful servant. That's what I want God to say to me. Remember, God spoke in an audible voice over Jesus. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Now, what could be better than pleasing the Lord all the time? To be well-pleasing, fully pleasing to him. See, And if you're filled with the knowledge of God's will, you can please the Lord. All right? Uh, now, the benefits continue. Paul said, uh, if you're filled with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding, you'd bear fruit in every good work. You see, our work wouldn't be done independently from God. If, if we do anything independently, it, 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 it'll eventually be burned up like hay, wood, and stubble. You know, they... Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain that build it, the Bible says. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchmen stand guard in vain. So anything we do separate from God independently isn't lasting. But we'd bear fruit in every good work if we're filled with the knowledge of God's will. Now, I, I always desire to bring God massive glory. That means to bring massive amounts of spiritual fruit. And that will happen if I'm filled with the knowledge of his will. And I'll have faith to believe for it. Because uh, when he reveals his will, he literally serves you faith on a platter. He names it and you claim it. Now, and you work in partnership with God. Now, many times we hear about God using someone in profound ways and we wish we could be like them. I've been following a man named uh, Brother Timothy Dixon. Uh, and uh, he's got a lot of YouTube videos out. and He's very, very prophetic. And he was given a vision of Jesus riding a white horse around the world. And Jesus was holding up a, a leather-bound Bible in his hand as he rode. And the pages were blowing out and dropping down all over the world. Now, the Lord circled the world from north to south and then went east to west, opposite. And then, Chris, you know, every little tiny point on the compass, he went around the world until the entire world. He'd gone around the entire world over and over and over. And the pages of the Bible were all out and people were picking him up and reading them. And uh, so the Lord has shown us that he's you know, going to give a great worldwide last end time revival. Well, I didn't have that vision. Brother Timothy did. But uh, what God did with me is he put a desire in my spirit that rose up really strong, a desire to start a tract ministry. And God has given me the grace to produce some really, really wonderful tracks. Now, Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Well, this ministry now, we've printed two powerful tracks, 15,000 copies of Best News Ever and 14,000 copies of The True Story of the Rescued Rat. And those are both filled with scriptures so they're some of the pages that people will be picking up and reading, see? 
Now, you might not have a vision like Timothy Dixon. You might not have a special call of God to make tracks like me, but you could pass them out because ultimately the big reward is going to be to the dear people that say, I'd like to give you a Jesus loves you message. I believe it'll make you feel more like God loves you and you smile and you give it to somebody. Now, you're going to get the, the great big reward. I think of myself as a basketball player that gets an assist. I pass the ball to somebody. They make the three-point shot and win the game, and I get credit for an assist. See? So I I am believing that that all of my dear friends are going to get in the habit of, uh, of giving out a little Jesus Loves You track throughout the day. I hope you'll each get a bunch of them. And uh, go in with your friends because I, I don't have time to send out little tiny orders because I don't I sell them at cost, so I don't make any money. It's my, all my time is volunteer. So we're saying, you know, it's got to be 500 at a time. And it's uh, $10 per hundred for best good news. It's $15 a hundred for the true story of the rescued rat. And uh, so today, for instance, I was at a church in Dexter and they bought... Uh, People just threw in some money, and they bought uh, 500 of best good news, and then they bought uh, uh, 200 of the true story of the rescued rat. And they're going to have fun as a church uh, uh, covering their little town, you know, basically with the pages of the Bible, this uh, wonderful uh, messages printed with full-color illustrations and a good storyline and plenty of scriptures. Now, if we're filled with the knowledge of God's will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding, Paul said we'd bear fruit in every good work, and we want to, you know, God prepared good works in advance for us to do, according to Ephesians 2.10. That's one of my prayers, is that I wouldn't leave like men on base in a baseball game where they don't get driven in to score. They're just, uh, God can create good works for us to do and and many times we we never get them done but i want to you know i i want to write every book god ever dreamed of me writing every tract or whatever he dreamed of me doing i want to fulfill it and that will happen if i'm filled with the knowledge of god's will now paul also prayed that we'd be strengthened with all power for all endurance and patience so that we we not just have endurance and patience while looking glum and feeling depressed, but rather we'd be filled with the Lord's own super patience and super endurance, and we'd be full of thanksgiving and joy. Now you go back and and read that and memorize that Colossians chapter one verse nine through thirteen, what I call the greatest prayer in the Bible. And there's great prayers in the Bible, okay? But certainly has to be one of the very, very most important. I want to mention that Paul said if we're filled with the knowledge of God's will, we, through all spiritual wisdom and understanding, we'd actually grow in the knowledge of God. And that means experientially experiencing intimacy with God, growing in the knowledge of God. Now, what could be better than all that? What could be better than pleasing God, walking worthy of God, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, having supernatural endurance and patience with a joyful spirit. Uh, Wow. All right, so that's a wow prayer. Now, notice that Paul prayed that for others. 
See, I read it and I think, oh man, I'm going to pray that every day for myself. <laughs> well, that's good. Pray it every day for yourself. But, uh, you know, we need to pray it for others so that we get washed and scrubbed of self-pity until we sparkle in the Spirit. Now, by praying such a wonderful prayer for others, our cares will slide off of us easily as we cast them on the Lord. And God will mix grace with every one for a vast variety of answers, deliverances, miracles, blessings, and spiritual growth in character virtues, and also in increasing fellowship and intimacy with the Lord himself. I think I already mentioned William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, once wanted to send out a Christmas telegram to all of his workers around the world. One sentence was too expensive. He tried fewer and fewer words. And finally, he sent them all a telegram that just said one word, others. Now, that's a profound telegram, all right? That it says an awful lot. My sixth point is that God is working on a receptivity factor in the lost. Now, while I was praying and re-praying Paul's prayer in Colossians chapter 1, I was given a measure of spiritual wisdom and understanding to know God's will. You see, recently I've been following a prophetic man, and one of his prophetic words was especially troubling to me. And he said that God told him, I'm going to trouble the waters. And God told him that the Columbia River in the gorge would run backwards and it would mess up a hydroelectric plant with the water running backwards. Of course, it couldn't generate power and it would cause blackouts all over the Northwest. Well, I live in the Northwest. And then God told him that Multnomah Falls, the highest waterfalls in the United States is just east of Portland, a few 20 some miles. And God told him it would run blood red. Well, I began to ponder how that could possibly be. And, uh, you know, Mount Loma Falls is right on I-84. The waters actually come down off of that 600-foot waterfall, the highest in the United States, and, and run underneath the freeway and into the Columbia River Gorge. Now, when I first heard that prophecy, I thought, well... That must be the great earthquake. You see, the, uh, there's a great earthquake fault called the Cascadia Fault that's just off the Oregon coast. It runs from Northern California up to Canada. And it has a major earthquake every 243 years. Well, the last earthquake was, major earthquake was January of 1700. So, so we're way overdue. And the experts say that when it happens, it will be a massive 9.0 earthquake. Well, that would make a huge tsunami, a huge tsunami wave that would surge up the Columbia River and make the river run backwards. However, that's not what the prophetic word said. It said the river would run backwards in the Columbia Gorge. Now, no matter how big the earthquake was, the Columbia Gorge is at too high of an elevation above the sea level. No tsunami is going to make the water run backwards that far up. So I've been trying to figure out how that could happen. Now, if the Mount Loma Falls was running blood red, I thought, what could, what could do that? And that sounds like lava. Well, this whole area is covered with volcanoes and 
lava from past volcanic releases. So who knows what might happen, but if there was some great big uh, volcanic event where lava ran down over the falls and ran into the gorge, the gorge could begin to fill with lava. That would make the water in the gorge run backwards. So that's only my idea of how that might be fulfilled. But if that actually happens, you see the the states, these liberal uh, states, Oregon and Washington, have pretty much shut down all the coal-fired electrical power plants to try to save the planet from global warming. So if we lost one of our big hydro plants, uh, Bonneville is just a few miles east of where the Mount Loma Falls enters the Columbia Gorge. Bonneville is one of the largest hydroelectric plants anywhere in the United States. If that got knocked out, then I can tell you for sure that we would have huge blackouts, and God only knows how long they would be. So when I heard that, I said, oh, God. That, that would be a great sign of, uh, to the wicked, you know. But what about us? What about me? Recently, Texas suffered a huge winter storm where the ice was up to eight inches thick on certain freeways. And the solar power, the panels were all covered with snow and ice, so they didn't work. And the windmills, Texas went real big into the windmills. They froze solid, and so the entire state went into a blackout. And it was just unprecedented. Now, what's, what's happening with those type of events? Well, God is working on the receptivity of sinners. He's showing them that they're mortal, that they need spiritual comfort, that they need God, that they need protection, and that God will not be mocked, and he can show his power. And he's warning the people of coming judgment and wrath because there is a judgment day. And Jesus uh, said to the Pharisees, who, oh, John the Baptist was the one that said to them, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? See, there is a coming a day when, when people have turned down God enough times that his wrath comes on them. All right, now, these judgments, these great big events like this uh, of different types are moving around the country. And uh, rather than be afraid we have to realize that God is setting us up to have great success in winning souls. What's he doing? He's working on the receptivity factor of the people who don't know him. Now, if we'll sow the seed, the spiritual seed, if we'll tell people that God loves them, if we'll give them a message, a page of the Bible, so to speak, millions could be saved. There's a man named Lance Wallnow, and uh, maybe you know about him, but... Uh, he, I was watching one of his videos, and he said that, you know, over 80 million people voted for President Trump. About 40 million of those are what we consider uh, born-again Christians. But the other 40 million are just people that don't want communism, but they're not saved. Now, if there's great tumult in our nation, you see, those, those 40 million are becoming very receptive. How many of you know 40 million people turning to the Lord would be a massive massive revival. So the reason I'm saying that is uh, rather than get all concerned about yourself, because what would we typically do if the power went out for very long or, or tr you know, big troubles come? Well, I don't know that 
any of us are spiritual enough to just automatically say, oh, great, the Lord, Lord you're, you're sure setting me up to win souls. Thank you, Lord. Let's go win souls. But I believe that's the attitude we've got to adopt because God is very serious about sending a massive revival. And part of the reason a massive revival can come is that there'll be all kinds of things like that happening. And, uh, and God is just working on the receptivity of the people. Well, God help us then to be ready to take advantage of the difficulties rather than to complain about them or fear them. Because for us, God will mix grace in with those big difficulties. He'll send angels to protect us. We'll experience great miracles. Well, we've, got to, we've got to cast our cares on the Lord regarding future events, see, and then thank him that he's going to mix grace with whatever happens. You know, in, in the book of Exodus, and the, when the, God took the Israelites out of Egypt, he had them put the blood of a lamb over their doorposts so that when he sent the destroying angel, the angel would pass over them. That's where we get the word, the Jewish Passover. And the actual date for the Jewish Passover is uh, March 27th of this year. It starts and then uh, it lasts a week and ends Sunday evening, April 4th, which happens to coincide with the uh, Christian holiday of Easter, where we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. He is, of course, the Lamb of the world that takes, Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Now, Jesus said, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes, famines, and pestilences in various places and fearful events and great signs from heaven. You see, that's Luke 21, 10 through 11. Now, before the Lord's return, there is supposed to be a massive worldwide revival, a great harvest of souls, and those fearful things affect the receptivity of those who will eventually turn to the Lord and be saved. So filled with the knowledge of God's will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding, we know God's not forsaking us. He's setting us up to be used in a great worldwide outpouring of the Spirit of God. He's setting us up to be used in miracles, a soul-winning harvest, uh, the greatest outpouring of the Spirit of God in the history of the world. And as far as our safety is concerned, we cast that care on the Lord with thanksgiving, and we thank him for the blood of Jesus over our homes and our lives. We thank him for mixing grace into every difficult problem and turning those things into great miracles. My last point is, why should we cast our cares on the Lord? We're invited to cast all our cares on the Lord because he cares about every detail of our life. And Jesus emphasized that by saying, even the very hairs of your head are numbered. And that was said to show us that God cares about the littlest thing. So again, what could be a smaller thing than losing one hair from your head? So if God cares about something so small, then, you know, he, he cares if you need a new pair of shoes. He, he, he cares if the water heater goes out in your garage. <laughs> you name it, he cares about it. If you care about it, he cares about it. And Jesus said that God cares about your clothing in Matthew chapter 6 and about your food and about what you drink. So if your water purifier needs a new filter, Jesus cares about that. And Jesus said, so do not worry, what shall, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom 
and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well or added to you. So we cast our cares on God because he really cares. And there's nothing that you care about that he doesn't care about. So he's not going to worry about your cares like you're tempted to do. When he cares about your cares, it will be with a hearing ear, a loving heart, and compassionate action. So Paul wrote, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose, Romans 8, 28. So all means all. God works for your good even in little things. The Bible says, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Psalms 34, 19. All means all. John wrote in John 1, 16, uh, the New Living Translation, from his abundance we have all received one gracious blessing after another. And the Passion Translation words that now out of his fullness we are fulfilled and from him we receive grace heaped upon more grace. And then in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, God said to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Now, I have a sample prayer here and uh, it's kind of a long prayer, but you know, I'm, I'm just gonna read it and uh, let's join our hearts together and believe that God is listening to it as a prayer. Here we go. Father, I have a care. Here it is. In fact, here's a big list of my cares. I thank you that you're going to give me wisdom for some things and understanding for other things. You're going to give me knowledge for some things and discernment for other things. I thank you that you uh, love to mix your abundant grace into those things so that they'll not be wasted but rather turn into blessings and miracles and answers to prayer and increase character virtues. I thank you that my cares mixed with your grace will result in an increase in my experiential knowledge of you, meaning intimacy with you, which is my greatest desire. I thank you that you care about the smallest care that I have right up to the biggest ones. I thank you that you care about things that concern me, even the things I'm not aware of. I thank you that you hear my prayers and that you're more than willing to take these cares and make them your very own, leaving me with peace and victory. I ask you to sanctify me, purify me, and cleanse me from self-pity and every form of self-focus so that these cares won't stick to me anymore. I ask you to sanctify me, purify me, cleanse me from grumbling and complaining, worry, and every form of self-condemnation. And so, Father, if there's anything that makes care stick to my hands as I try to cast them on you, please wash me with some kind of Holy Spirit degreaser. <laughs> you know how to do that, Lord. I thank you for degreasing me, so to speak. I'm pleased, Lord, that you and delighted that you actually smile as I bring all these cares to you. It's going to be delightful as you lead me, guide me, provide for me, send angels to help me and express the desires of your will right from inside of me and fill me with peace. Father, I, I pray for me, but I also pray this for my loved ones and for the whole body of Christ, that you'll fill all of us 
with the knowledge of your will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding because we want to walk in a manner worthy of you. We want to fully please you. We want to bear fruit in every good work. We want to increase in the knowledge of God and we want to be strengthened with all power according to your glorious might so that we can endure and it won't be a frustrated endurance, but it would be a patient endurance filled with joy. Now, dear Lord, dear Holy Spirit, please remind all of us to pray for others. I'd like to delight your heart by casting all my cares on you. I'd also like to delight your heart with a genuine concern for others and delight you with my loving prayers for their well-being. I pray that you'll help all of us wait upon you in wonderful times of prayer and Bible meditation and worship, and then help us walk worthy of you so that when we go throughout our day, it brings joy to you all day long. Thank you for saving us from sin. Thank you for saving us from worry, anxiety, hopelessness, depression, and defeat. Thank you for life more abundantly through Jesus Christ. I love you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. And friend, I love you. I appreciate each one of you. And I pray with all my heart that God will fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. I pray that God will uh, give you the degreasing treatment, cleanse you and wash you from anything selfish, self-focused, or self-pity so that when you bring your cares to God, they just fly off your hands onto the Lord and you're filled with peace and he'll be able to make those cares into the most wonderful things. And I pray for you also that you'll be thorough, that you'll really want to practice this on a daily basis, and that whenever you cast your cares on the Lord, you'll thank him. You'll thank him that he hears, that he cares, he's going to do something wonderful. And I ask that on your behalf in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I love you. God bless you. If you would like to partner with us at Encouragement Expert, please email us at pastorbacker at gmail.com. Or you can write P.O. Box 485, Cresswell, Oregon, 97426.